Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College offers the foundation for individuals seeking to blend creativity and practice so that graduates have the freedom to direct their skills and move the world forward. Its faculty takes a multidisciplinary approach to academic, professional, and social growth so that graduates have relentless optimism to navigate the changing environment. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with fascinating people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Ann Hazlitt. She's Senior Advisor for Rural Affairs in the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. She helps shape policy aimed at improving the quality of life in rural America, coordinates federal interagency efforts on drug control activity in rural communities, and builds coalitions and grassroots strategies centered on prevention, treatment, and recovery. She talks with us about her assessment of the drug crisis in rural America and what solutions may be available. You've now been on this job for about a year, um, and I know as part of the job, you travel out across the country and, and especially to the more rural areas of the country. After you get out of Washington and you get out into the hinterlands here, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you finding? I see. Uh, innovation and action being taken at a local level, which is what is needed um, to defeat um, the addiction crisis in Southeast Ohio, but in so many other places. And that was something that I um, got to learn a lot more about um, all of the activity that's going on um, in my day at Ohio University. Um, I see in uh, communities that um, are getting healthy, I see some common ingredients um, of addressing stigma, um, of leadership, and of coordination um, in activity. I think that in many rural communities, um, far beyond Ohio, there are still some great needs um, as we tackle this challenge. Um, still a need for access to care, uh, the recovery support systems that um, will wrap around folks once they come out of treatment and get healthy, um, whether it's jobs or housing, uh, transportation. And then we need to keep working away on the issue of stigma, which can be such a barrier to people getting help. Many of the things that you've just mentioned, 
uh, are not specific to one drug, but they're addiction-related. I know that yeah. in this area and many other areas, we're seeing morphine from the opioids and heroin back to meth and and other mm-hmm. drugs. But but what you're talking about are ways of handling the addiction problem, not a specific drug problem. Yeah, uh You've, you've hit the nail on the head. We have seen a shift. Um, certainly opioids continue to be a challenge, but over the past year have definitely seen a shift into a surge in the use of stimulants or, and or polysubstance use. So we have tried to respond um, to the needs of state and more importantly, those local leaders um, from the feedback that we've been getting that so much of the funding and the effort has been focused on opioids and there is a need for broader you know, resources that can address broader that broader addiction challenge. Um, much of the federal money for this fiscal year 2020, um, we are grateful that Congress has broadened out the substances that um, that money can address, and so it won't be so narrowly focused on opioids, but a state and then a local community can use it for, use some of the federal money for um, stimulants in particular. The problems in rural areas uh, take on a sort of different character, I would assume, than in urban areas. I know that you've spent a large part of your career, if not the bulk of career, dealing with rural areas and, and agriculture and and various aspects of rural life. Can you characterize how it's different? Yeah, I, I think that the crisis, uh, op- the opioid crisis in particular, has shown us that this is an issue that is not confined to big cities. It knows no boundaries and zip code or in economic class and family. Um, but I think the, the difference that we see in rural areas is that the resources, some of those assets that are needed in a community to help a person uh, get healthy and then continue that life and so their life in sobriety often are not there, um, whether it's access to treatment or uh, ample recovery housing for them to be able to create a new start um, when they come out of treatment or, um, you know, the services to help them find employment and, you know, support groups um, as they continue in their recovery. Um, at the same time, though, I think on a positive side of what's different in rural is that, um it, you know, the ability for a community to rally together and come around a t- difficult challenge like this, it's a lot easier to bring the key thought leaders um, and action um, um, action folks to a table in a, in a more rural area than it is if I'm in Columbus or I'm in Cincinnati. Um, so I think that that's a strength that rural areas um, have in this. Transportation is a specific problem in in rural areas. Uh, Have you seen how communities have uh, helped with that? 
transportation to yeah. get to and from clinics or to and from medical care. Uh, transportation is a huge issue. It's huge. Uh, so we have, that is an issue that has been brought to the, the forefront um, very early in my work on, on this issue. And we have attempted to tackle this in a number of ways. There are um, existing uh, rural transit systems um, that the federal government puts money out for and the money goes to the states and then the states can determine how they want to use those dollars. Many communities um, aren't aware of how those transit funds can be used to help specifically with health care and substance use disorder. Um, so we have held um, uh, two workshops now, one in West Virginia and one uh, just last December in Tennessee that were focused specifically on transportation and how some existing resources can be used um, to address the disease of addiction. Um, but I think more importantly um, going forward, beyond you know connecting communities to learn how another community has used these dollars creatively. There's also some states are looking at, um, you know, ride share pilots and, you know, understandably, you know, an Uber or a Lyft system often is not in place in a rural area the way you might see it in, um, in a big city. But there are some states and some, um, you know, creative minds that have been looking at how we can have more of that in rural. We also think that there's an opportunity in rural communities to leverage um, the faith-based community around um, this issue. And, um, you know, transportation is, is a natural place that churches who want to step up and do something can, can look at. Many of them have buses that they only use, you know, one or two days a week to get people to and from their facility. And so can that be used for something like transporting people for medical appointments? And again, that's where I think there's a strength in rural because it's easier to have those conversations and to get creative minds thinking around a challenge like this than it is in a big community. We'll be back after this message. Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College is one of the most comprehensive colleges of communication in the country. It offers a foundation of creativity and practice so that graduates can move the world forward. In particular, the Scripps College offers challenging coursework that holds students to high expectations an integrated curriculum that combines a variety of disciplines and ideas, and student-driven media organizations where students can apply these skills and gain experience that enables them to hit the ground running upon graduation. That's the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. You work in the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. Uh, what I, I don't think a lot of local people see this as a federal issue. Uh, 
but you're providing federal assistance uh, in not only advice, but in actual programs, correct? We Yes. Um, so our office is an office within the White House. Um, we have a team um, here that is focused um, on a number of priorities. Um, we have uh, prevention is a high priority for uh, this office, you know, preventing drug use before it even begins. And one of the programs that we administer out of uh, ONDCP is a program called the Drug-Free Communities Program. And every year um, it puts um, dollars out into that local community to help a community start and build up a coalition that's focused just on prevention messaging um, to youth. Um, Beyond that particular program, we also look at prevention um, through a broader lens. What are some of the action um, behaviors that we need to see change? Um, For example, prescribing rates with respect to opioids. Um, We've had a big focus on reducing prescribing um, so that people who... um, you know, that medical appointment is often um, becomes, sadly, becomes the gateway to an addiction um, to opioids. We've also focused on disposal and how can we get more of these medications out of a community, out of somebody's medicine cabinet um, once, once they don't have that medical need anymore for the substance. Um, in addition to the prevention piece, supply is a focus of our agency. Um, we have a lot of people here that work just on drug intelligence and helping be a partner to local law enforcement um, to try and keep these illicit substances um, out of our communities. As part of that supply side, um, we have another program that we administer out of ONDCP. It's called the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Program. And again, it has resources that, um, you know, help coordinate efforts between the federal, um, the state, and the local law enforcement, um, drug intelligence um, side of this challenge. And then the last, you know, part of our focus, and we've already touched on some of this today, is treatment and recovery services for those who are already struggling with addiction um, and, and helping people, you know, find the help that they need to get healthy and start that new life. I know that you came over uh, to your current position from the uh, Department of Agriculture. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you came with some background already in this, but you've really hit the ground running in the first year that you've been there. Yeah, there's there's so much opportunity um, really to help build stronger communities through the crisis of this issue. And if I see any silver lining in this epidemic, um, that's it. Um, because many of these places um, have challenges um, that that are underlying, um, you know, the drug trend that you see in the community, whether it's, you know, lack of economic opportunity or lack of healthcare access, education, and those are the those are the programs that the Department of Agriculture and there in Ohio, uh, Dave Hall is the state director for rural development, and that's what that agency is focused on doing. Um, you know, we work closely with them as as well as the Appalachian Regional Commission, 
which has also made significant investments in Southeast Ohio. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about technology and how technology is being used and incorporated uh, in both treatment and prevention. I, I know as part of your visit to Ohio University, you visited uh, the lab that, that deals with virtual reality. Can you talk about that a bit? Oh, my gosh, yes. What, um, what an amazing project. Uh, going there. I was really taken with the students and the university leadership that are working on working in the grid lab, but then specifically around how can we use virtual reality to touch on um, some really challenging aspects of the addiction uh, crisis. Um, first, I think Ohio University has recognized, and I give them a lot of credit for this, have recognized that their own campus environment can be a place that we need to make sure is safe for students and, you know, for families as they send their loved ones to school. And so one of the first um, uh, trainings that I got to watch um, that the students have put together is um, how can we prepare some of the, you know, the RAs that are in dorms about what an overdose um, on, you know, an opioid medication or um, would look like and then how that student, that leader would need to be ready to respond with naloxone. Um, but beyond the university setting, um, Ohio University, I think, has really um, is exceptional in how they've engaged with the needs of the region and understanding that stigma um, around people who are struggling with addiction is real. And even within um, not just the community, but within the um, first responder um, sector, with even within the healthcare sector. And so they've put together a video that features a young woman who um, is on public assistance and is pregnant and, um, and what you go through the journey of what she experiences as she is struggling with addiction um, during her pregnancy. And I think those tools, um, you know, with the way people learn these days, um, being able to use technology to tell a story and train people um, around this issue um, not only helps save lives, but it also really helps change the communities. Um, it has the potential to change the communities attitudes um, about this issue, which is so important for helping people um, get connected to treatment and, and get healthy. Well, this is a, sort of a, a challenging question, and, and let me ask you it this way. Uh, deaths are going down, uh, not markedly, but they're tapering off for overdose deaths. Uh, how do you counteract the public's short attention span and say, okay, we had a crisis, it's over, uh, we're not going to deal with it? What you have been talking about is really for the long haul and <laughs> over quite a period of yeah. time. It's it's not a quick fix. How do you get beyond the, the thought that this is over, this is done? Sure. That's where I think... Um, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about stigma today, and um, much of what I have seen be effective in defeating stigma 
is to for people to be willing to share their story, whether it's their own story or the story of a family member that they've lost. And I think that um, that's important for changing in the environment, the attitudes around addiction in a community. But I think it's also important for us to remember that we can get so caught up in numbers, but even one death is too many. Um, one death is somebody's mother or father, um, sister or brother or child. And um, while, yes, numbers have declined for the first time in, over, in almost 30 years in 2018, um, you know, that's still the numbers that we do have are still almost 200 people each day. And so when you stop and think about, you know, the lives that um, are in your own community that are impacted by this, um, we have to still be relentless in our efforts. Um, and thank you so much for talking with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, this was a wonderful opportunity. And um, if we can be of help um, with anything else, please don't hesitate to reach out. Today, we've been talking with Ann Hazlitt, Senior Advisor for Rural Affairs in the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. We've talked about her assessment of the rural drug crisis and what solutions are available. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Blueberry, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available through the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your podcast outlets. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover, please direct them to me by email at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu.